Welcome to the Two Cent Dad podcast, where we interview dads to discuss their journeys of intentional fatherhood while doing work they care about and living a life of purpose. I'm your host, Mike Sudik. So here we're chatting with Aaron Ross, who is the CEO of PredictableRevenue.com, also author of From Impossible to Inevitable, which has he, we were just talking about the next edition that's coming out. Um, highly successful um, coach to you know high growth companies, but really cut his teeth uh, building the sales team at Salesforce.com. Uh, but the the reason that's great, and yeah, you're successful, Aaron. But the biggest reason you are on the Two Cent Dad podcast is because you're a father of nine, um, and that's a that's a multi blended family. You know, you have your your wife had kids prior to your marriage, and then you and then you guys adopted and had some of your own uh, kids. So so thanks for being on the show. Yeah, we got a little bit of everything. It's like yeah. a, a a potpourri or a gumbo. Or... <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. It's kind of like when you take the Monopoly board at the end of the game, you dump everything into the box at the same time. It all gets mixed up. Yeah, that's pretty much our family. Yeah. And you just started, you were doing a couple of these parenting videos on LinkedIn, which I love because they were completely unscripted. They're, you know, messy parenting, if you will, like we were talking about earlier, uh, before we hit record, uh, you know, your hair being messy and whatever. But the, as if someone's hearing this, you know, and as I, think about and watching this video and, and all the things you've done. It's like, how the heck do you do that? Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about just kind of you, your world and how you guys manage the chaos. The reason I ask, yeah. I'll say the reason I ask is because, you know, you, you mentioned systems in some of your videos, you mentioned kind of habits and, and different things. So maybe just if someone's like, how do you do it? Like, what do you say to them? You know? Oh yeah. No, if I went back by the numbers, um, I don't know exactly what they would be, but so I got married eight years ago and I had zero kids then. So it went from zero to nine kids really in six or seven years because the youngest one is two. Um, and during that time I wrote and published three or three or four books. A fourth book is not like a kid's book. It's more of like a fun project. My son, let's call it you know, three, three business books. Um, grew my income from, you know, 72,000 a year to 720,000 plus, 800,000 a year. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some other ones, but when we started, so grew a business from, you know, that to a few, there's a, we have a business of a few million dollars. Like, you know, I don't know. So, um, you know, the thing a lot of it comes down to is, and people say like, how do you do it? Or how do you do so much? I'm not, honestly, I'm not really sure. I feel like someone should follow me around. But there's this combination of, um, unless it's day by day, trying to advance things when I can. So for example, like if I'm going to do a new book, like doing a new book is a big project. That was a big project. And the only way I was able to do a new book on top of having a big family and everything else going on was because first I committed to, I told people about it. i told people I was going to do this new book, including at some point got a partner with it or Jason, Jason Lemkin from Saster, mm -hmm. and then a publisher, you know, like, by the way, don't need a publisher this time, just want to try one, got a publisher, so sort of partners, dates announced, and then I had to do it. Um, but a lot of it comes down to, for example, um, with a new book, let's just talk about that, because we go off in different directions, was then creating, blocking out time on Wednesdays to write. Like maybe even a couple, I think I blocked out every Wednesday. I didn't get to them all like twice a month. I might've gotten down and be able to sit down and write. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of that was taking 
you know, Jason had some things to contribute, and I created some new things, took some other things, and I don't know if it took a couple of years probably over, over to do a whole new book, but the only way on top of like being so busy and so tired, because again, we had babies and if any of you who have recently have or recently had babies know that, oh my God, you know, you, it's just all over. Like you need one person on the baby and to- full time and one person for everything else. Yeah. So on top of that, it was really just had to have public commitment deadlines and block out time and just to keep at it till it was done. And again, over years, that just adds up. Um, and there's separate things we did to make money, like to grow my income. There's separate things we do to kind of create chore systems and allowance systems, calendaring. I mean, I, the bottom line is like nothing, whatever works, everything's always changing, which is just so, it takes a lot of energy to create a system, but then the system never sticks, seems to stick around for that long. So chore systems always kind of evolving Allowance systems always evolve. Every you know changes. The calendaring is always like constantly changing. So um, ultimately, there's a lot of steps, and we can talk about like techniques and systems and 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 things that do work and have worked for me. Um, but also, there's this realization that again, it's going back to this idea of parenting is messy. Whatever people project to the outside world, whether it's me or any kind of anybody, whether it's like a parenting guru. Um, I think most parenting people who write books, parents or parenting gurus kind of make it feel like, oh, there's this really nice, clean, simple, effective way to great, raise great children. Um, and I think it's more common now for a lot of the other parenting gurus who are more honest, which is, wow, there's lots of things that work here great and lots of things that just fail all the time. And, and this a lot of times it just sucks. It's really hard because mm. that's the truth. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it is really difficult or traumatic even. That's the reality of parenting. It's messy. Yeah. But at the same time, I think sometimes t- people take that to the extreme and say like the, the nature versus nurture type thing. You know, it's like, well, I just, yeah, my kids are this way or not this way. It's like, yeah, yeah but you still got to work at it. You still got to be intentional. I, I hear what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying, but. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a seed of, of nature in, in kids, but the nurture part is incredibly impactful. I mean, it's probably, yeah. I don't know if it's 50, 50, but like whether it's behavior um, I mean, look, we have, we've adopted teenagers. We, we have teenagers from, uh, you know, kind of bio teenagers. We call them, there's bio kids, adopted kids. We've got some bio kids that are teenagers and younger. We've got adopted kids that are teenagers and younger. We've adopted, so we adopted a baby from birth who came from a mom who's on drugs. We adopted a four-year-old boy from China. We adopted two 16-year-olds, one from China, one from kind of East LA. Um, so we, and we've kind of see, we have all this variety and, for sure, there's probably there's things that kind of uh, nature people are born with, but generally, at least as kids, most of the impact that you see while they're kids, that may change while they're adults, where the nature may come out later. I mean, nature is present, but the nurture is so it's such a huge difference. Again, I'm just looking at adopted kids who, whether their mom was on drugs or whether they didn't have parents when they were young, versus other kids who may have gone through divorce or not, like. You, uh, you have an in, enormous, enormous impact as a parent on your child. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether you have a parenting style that's kind of a little more forceful, like a little bit more of a bully style, I don't want to say that in a bad way, because, you know, or a parenting style that's a little more of a pleaser style, because people, I think, fall into both camps. I'm a little more of a pleaser. My wife's a different type. We kind of try to blend. Um, has a really big impact on your kids. And whether you can feel good about that or not, because, again, as parents, 
we I think it's really important to balance. Hey, there's there's everyone feels parenting guilt, right? The, all the things you could have, should have, would have. Um, I think, and if you didn't feel that in some way around, then you wouldn't feel anything mm-hmm. being a parent. But to balance that out with, here's all these great things you do do. Um, and there's this other weird thing because I do think that ironically when parents, part of what maybe, I don't know, it's interesting because this paradox is it might be that when parents are hard on themselves, when you're kind of guilty about not doing the job you think you should, does that actually motivate you to become a better parent? Like, are you a better parent because you don't feel like you're a good parent? And so you're kind of, you really push yourself. Hmm. I, I think know. so. I think so. I yeah. think so too. It can be, don't have to yeah, be. Can be. Can be. I think my, my, my wife and I are better parents at least because, again, we don't feel like we – we see all the things we don't do well, um, and we keep trying to do better as parents for that. So, How do you guys stay aligned like with date nights and stuff like that? How do you guys work on your marriage too in, in the midst of all of that? Yeah, because um, I think people don't realize, obviously, when you have ba- – you get married, you have babies, things get a lot harder for at least a couple of years. And I know I've seen this in studies I think show this is that people are unhappier – during parts when you have kids, there's different phases. You have, you're unhappier in general. And I think having, for example, like a, a newborn is extra exhausting on everybody. So that makes it even more burden on the relationship. And by then, you've probably gotten past the honeymoon period. We're in the period of like, okay, you know, we're, we can, we're basically roommates. It's kind of is the, the baseline. And then we need to work at creating the romantic part and love part. Like it takes an investment. You have to invest in your relationship. So if I go back to, um, I think one of the things that's been really, really important, and honestly, I, I think one of the, number one might have been making a lot more money mm-hmm. because that just sets the stage for so many other things here to enable our family to, to get by with less stress. We spend a lot of money. So one of the most important things in making the relationship work too is making more money mm-hmm. because if you can't pay your bills, everything is so much harder. Um, and in the in my wife and I too, like we have as regular as we can, and it kind of comes and goes depending on life, uh, a once a week date night. Right. And that's something we've done for years. And I think when we weren't doing it or when we aren't doing it, we can tell it's more of that roommate feeling around. We're just, there's just bus- busting our asses well, left, right, yeah. and center. All right. And I have, I have a business I help run. Um, I'm very active as a father. I mean, I'm, I drive people, I have kids, homework, everything. Uh, I mean, I work at the business probably like 20 hours, 20 hours a week and everything else. I'm just constantly fought that being a dad. Mm. My wife is right. She wrote a play that's going up in Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So she doesn't have a job job, but she has you know her own work. So to have the nine kids and both have kind of jobs I and mean, she's busier than I am, honestly. Um, it's, it's chaos and sometimes it's, it's smoother and sometimes it's just really too much to handle. So there's kind of this pendulum that goes back and forth, but I think really focusing on making more money is very key. And part of that, what what I reconciled at some point was when I'm, when I'm working to make money or if I travel to make money, um, cause I feel like, wow, I'm not with the family, but you know, that really is family time when you're working to support the family, that's still family time. Mm-hmm. I do think I'm sure a lot of people who work work more than that because sometimes I mean it can be a way to stay if your if family life is difficult at home yeah I could see why you might want to stay at the office longer 
kind of an avoidance. So I think you want to be careful. Hey, are you avoiding family by staying by working more? Um, and what are the reasons you're working, and what are you trying to accomplish? So it's just that is important. So that that has been key, kind of date nights and ways to keep some of the romance and uh, you know love alive between us. Because again, uh, oh my God, it's just it's so easy to let that go. It's important but not urgent. Yeah, and I think I think we do. We do a really good job at it. Of course, it's always better, but we do a really good job at that. And another piece is just the, you know, trying to have some systems in place because um, trying to create everything from scratch all the time, whether it's like money or chores or uh, calendaring, is just too. It's impossible. Some of the kind of the big things that we that we do to try to keep to as much as we can keep things on track. But I mean, there's constant chaos. <laughs> it is managed chaos, yeah. I, I don't ever try to make appear that it's, that's not what it is because that is, especially with lots of little kids. Is is part of it learning to to uh, kind of accept the chaos and say it's going to be some that's like a new normal to some degree? I mean, obviously the systems mitigate the chaos, but I think as I think about conversations I've had with as they as um, dads have had their second and maybe third or fourth or whatever, you know, you're going through those periods of newborn and it just kind of gets more busy. You know, the kids get older, they're getting in activities and stuff. And it's kind of like, okay, this is kind of a new normal. And sometimes it's hard to adjust and, and your spouse and you maybe adjust at different periods or take different things, uh, different steps to adjust. Um, so maybe you could speak to that a little bit of like, you kind of just got to accept that it's chaos and that's a hump you got to get over. Yeah, it's kind of like the messy rooms, right? You just, you can't, it takes too much work to clean, have them clean all the time. Mm. Like you're not single. I mean, should you have like a real cleaning once in a while? Yes. You know, is it worth it to try to do it every day? I don't think so. It's just, you got to pick your battles. Mm. And I think that some people are better or open more naturally okay with chaos than others. There's this blend. I mean, even with, uh, in our family, um, what we try to do is have, and I say try because it doesn't always happen, of course. That's like so much of this is have some systems in place where we have plans, like whether it's around getting chores, school, um, schedules. And we realize, you know, a lot of times there's some random doctor's appointment or a kid gets sick or hurt or something gets forgotten. Like this morning, my wife forgot some of the school stuff. I had to run it down. And, it, and you know what? You just got to go with the flow. I could yeah. have gotten if I I was gonna I had to be late for a call I could have gotten frustrated or upset but I'm like whatever I'll just run it down I'll be a bit late yeah and so it's being able to be adapt it's really like being adaptable and then but even in the chaos it's thinking through hmm you know where are where is there just sort of too much chaos that we don't need because having some structure I mean kids really need it everyone needs it just to, in this case at least a big family um, like with our chore system it really it works well because in the past, like here's one of the, I'll give you the specific example. Like a few years ago we had chores where like that we have, we had four teenagers in the house right now we have three cause one's out of the house. Um, and they would all have to like help clean the kitchen after dinner and they didn't really have jobs assigned. So there's a little bit of chaos and they would just complain around who was doing what, like, well, you're not doing this. I'm not doing that. So then we assigned one person would have dishes, one person would have like the floor, you know, and that made it better. Um, people still hated chores, and by the way, they always hate chores. We, I think, at first we kind of cared. Now we don't care. I was like, what? I don't. We don't really. We don't say this, but maybe we do. I don't really care if you like the chore or not. I don't care if you hate it, but it's got to get done. So you, you're going to do it. Yeah. 
right? I'm not going to try to make you like it because it's impossible, and I'm just too, I'm not. I don't have the energy for that, and it's not going to work. So, um, you just it's just going to that's it is what it is. And if you don't do it, then there's consequences like you don't get uh, you, you know allowance, or you don't your phone gets turned off, or this, that, the other. So. They, uh, that's, they li- that's a life lesson in and of itself. It's like, yeah. I don't like to work all the time. You know, I don't like to do things sometimes. It's like, that's just life. You just got to do it. Yeah. There's some things <laughs> so you just got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Some things you just got to do, whether you like to or not. Like, we want you to have fun when you can, but there's some things that you just have to do whether you want to or not. And that is what it is. So, and chores are one. So then um, another, they didn't like it. Uh, I think because they didn't like it open-ended. At some point, then we made it so that for example, they knew they had a specific start time and stop time. So that made, that ended up being, you know, enough structure for them. So they, even they didn't like to do it, it was more less, a bit less frustrating. So it kind of this happy medium between they weren't going to be on forever helping with bedtime and this. They kind of had a start time, stop time. They knew their job. They knew their place. And we knew what they were supposed to do when. It's kind of, so that ended up being this evolution of how much structure was a good fit between the two. It was too open-ended. They got, they were just kind of lost, confused. Um, if we made it too like by the book, it becomes unmanageable. Like for example, when we've tried to do little lists, like in the morning, here's these six things to do, right? You, you know, feed the dogs and like, da, 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 da. you know, people just, it's like, it takes too much, it ended up taking too much energy to try to like go back to the list. Like, did you do all the lists? And like, it was, wasn't micromanaging. It was just too much structure became unmanageable because it took too much energy parental energy to, to, you know, to do it all the time. Um, I told the kids, I was like kind of really tired and sick a few weeks ago. And it's like, you know, kids, we need some help. Like honestly, I'm, I'm tired of wiping everyone's asses. Mm-hmm. I'm actually physically wiping young kids' asses and I'm metaphorically wiping big kids' asses because you're not doing your homework and you're not da 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 um, Because even on homework, we have a couple of teenagers doing homeschooling just for this year. They're going to go to boarding school next year. Like if I don't, if I'm not on them, I'm pretty much every day, they they procrastinate because they're whether whether it's their brains haven't figured out the you know they have to have it done by the certain date. And by the way, for example, one of them is 14. He wants to go to Hawaii with his friends in July. And I'm like, okay, you have to have your schooling done before you can go to Hawaii. If you don't have it done and you need an extra week to finish it, then you can go a week late. If it's not done, etc. But it's too far out for him to really click. So we're, you know, what really works typically is like a day by day. It's still really mostly day by day. Like this is what you need to do today, and that takes a lot of energy on me. Yeah. On top of everything else, so I think it's kind of this. We're finding, always finding this ideally happy medium between what the parent needs, family needs, and kids need to have things to keep moving forward relatively smoothly with the fewest number of, of crashes possible. So when does that, when do those discussions happen? Is that between you and your wife? I mean, you guys are doing that on date night or you're just like kind of ad hoc, like, Hey, this is what happened. Or you're just kind of observing it. Like maybe talk me through how you guys are iterating, so to speak on some of that. Yeah, it's a little bit here. You know, some, I think usually my wife and I at this point will um, like, I'll come up with the, you know, the chore and allowance systems. Sometimes she, or it kind of switches off. Right now I'm kind of managing chore and allowance systems. Uh, and I'll kind of let her know, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And do you think this makes sense? Wow. Of course we have the one time a week we had a leaf blower walk up <laughs> into my window. 
I that's, how, that's how it works out. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, again, roll with, you just go yeah. with the flow. That's right. I'm, it's just like it's all the same old family stuff. He's blowing the leaves off my, I'm, I'm proud I actually put together a little knife throwing range. I saw that window. in one of the videos, yeah. We'll have to link yeah. that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, hatchet or knife throwing. And, you know, that's been really fun. Um, so going back to when, you know, thing is, I've tried, I would love to have like a regular Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock meeting between myself and the teenagers. <laughs> I've been talking about this. And then it just seems like, okay, let's do it. And then that fr- you know, the first Friday, a doctor's appointment comes up out of the blue. Okay, fine. Okay, the next Friday, there's some other thing that, I'm like, oh my God. And then by then I'm kind of given up and forgotten about it. Yeah. So, but actually, even now talking about it, I got to go back. I really want to do that because um, it's important. And that's one of the challenges with a big family is, is just there's that chaos. And I would love to have that regular, you know, kind of like a weekly meal plan so people don't have to figure out dinner all the time and um, like that sort of family meeting on Fridays and it always seems like it's just out of reach, mm. just out of reach. But a little bit on the fly, my wife and I, we tend to, we try not to talk about family business while we're out on our date. We might do it in the car, but then we got to stop it. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we'll do work dates. So like there's a, might be a, and sometimes our, our romantic, our romantic date turns into, uh, we were going to go out and call it magic Monday, Monday, and we were going to go out to dinner and so on. And then we, she had to do some Ikea shopping for her, her play. So we end up doing Ikea shopping, which, you know, that's fine. And then dinner. So, again, it's had to go with the flow, which was important had to get done. But, I mean, with nine kids, it's like if you you, you could have some boundaries and sometimes those flex. But, I mean, those dates could turn into talking about each one of the kids like the whole time. Yeah. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. now nah, we got to work on our on our relationship a little bit here. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, like everyone else, like each kid has their – things they're doing well with and challenges like you know one kid can't sleep outside the house another kid is struggling with like weight and body image issues another kid um, is bored at school and I mean you can go mm-hmm. on and on and on forever about that stuff yeah. it can it can it can steal all the attention away from that romantic relationship that is so important just for I mean for, there's lots of times where for me Sometimes the only things I look forward to, because the day, there are times where like the day to day is such a, is so overwhelming, like from one thing to the next. Sometimes it's easier and I have some time to breathe. A lot of times I don't, comes and goes. Um, but sometimes there's like days where the, I'm just like, oh my God, okay, if I can get to bed. And then <laughs> I'm looking for, if I get to bed, then tomorrow I can have like my coffee treat because that's something I look forward to. Or you know, then two days from now, I can have, we have our date. Or, um, you know, there's kind of these little things I can look forward to during those hard days where I'm just like, I'm just trying to get through the day. And that might, I might, it might be hard that day because, again, schedule-wise, maybe because I couldn't sleep the night before. Um, you know, sometimes, like a couple weeks ago, one of our kids, three-year-old, has just been coughing a lot at night. So yeah, at least all the kids are sleeping through the night now. We don't have any babies. But sometimes, you know, like people are coughing at night. So there's so many factors that can go into um you know, uncontrollable factors that, that define your, my days, our days. And like one of the things I, I, I say I struggle with is like I have all the pieces in front of me to have, I basically have this amazing, amazing life. I love my kids. Um, even when I want to strangle them, I still love them. Um, and even my wife will say, any parent who's, who says they never want to strangle their kids is just lying. Um, <laughs> They're in denial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and spouses too, probably. Um, 
we saw this funny video years ago and uh, someone who interviewed like people who've been married for 50 years and one of these really old couples, this woman was like, would we ever get divorced? Divorce? Never. Murder? Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, that's... That sounds about uh, right. <laughs> yeah, and I have like the, the woman, I'm married to the woman of my dreams. I've got like amazing kids and a great business and, um, and you know, with more stuff means there's also more things that can go wrong across, right? So for me, a lot of this is that... Um, Again, kind of these practices that don't happen automatically that take energy and, and new building new habits, like whether it's you call it gratitude or just appreciation and reminding myself of here's all the things that's going well. Because um, there's so many problems in my face every day. Because right? yeah. that's kind of what we, especially like entrepreneurs, you know, you, you by nature, you're kind of dealing with problems. You're solving problems all the time. That's like your job. So by, you're always facing problems, dealing with problems. Um, and, you know, as a parent, it's a little bit different. You're it's a little more balanced, um, but sometimes the problems have more emotional weight. Like when you're, again, a teenager has, um, you know, kind of like a sleeping issue or uh, body issues or maybe there's like a younger kid, like a learning disability. We don't know if we do. There might be one that has something, you know, you're like, yeah, it's a lot. And you just kind of get used to it too. At least we, I've gotten used to it over time. Like it's a new normal, like you said. Yeah. So, you know, nine kids. If I think when I would have had two kids, three kids, it would have been like a huge number, but it just seems normal now. Yeah. And I love it. It's, I love having a big family. I really do. Um, and plus we're moving the whole family to Scotland this year. Wow. No, we don't have enough to do. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Right. <laughs> yeah. Move countries. Um, just for a year or what are you guys doing there? Uh, no, we want to live there permanently. Okay. We, we had been to Scotland as a family. My wife had been, we'd been there as a family a lot and we just loved it. We wanted to move there. Um, we were looking actually Northeast us as well. We wanted to be someplace just more like we live in Los Angeles now, West side and it's nice, but we want something different, a little more, um, not as scattered, Mm. kind of closer to nature, different feel in Edinburgh. We just landed as loved Edinburgh, the city. We love Isle of Skye, but it's not family friendly. It's kind of like mountainous and yeah. remote. Uh, great for vacation, family vacation. But so anyway, Edinburgh, and we're we're in the process, hopefully, hearing about like things like house and visa, and uh, yeah, we haven't even gotten to things like taxes and healthcare <laughs> and all these other factors. But you know, it's one thing at a time. Yeah. But I think that's one thing that does define redefine. Going you going back, you originally asked, how do we do it? How do I do it? And I do think that one of the things that defines that us and what happens is we, we say we don't just talk about things, right? We do things. People, we can't tell how many people talked about adoption. Um, we've, we have adopted and we wish people would do more. How many people talk about starting a business, talk about changing jobs, talk about moving countries, talk about this, talk about that. And we, we just do it. And whether it feels easy or possible or not. So, so that's, that's, that's something that, that I think from what I've seen around is different about us and why we're a little bit crazy that way. I, I like that. And I think that's, that's really interesting. And I actually just had, um, Dan Martell on the show. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, yep. one of the things he was big on was like family values and like, like you would craft core values for a business. They have values, um, or things that describe Martell's, you know, he's like, Martell's are hardworking. I don't remember all of them, but he's like, Martell's are X are blank. And, um, do you guys do any of that? Is there like, and he, he was like, you know, they're crafting that. He's saying why we do it. He does it for the companies he advises, like that they do these and you do it for company. Why would you not do it for a family? 
And I was intrigued by that because I think it kind of calls you to a, it holds you to a standard, but then it um, crafts your identity as like a family. So. Yeah, dude, that makes so much fucking sense. But no, we don't do any of that. That's like on the nice to have list on our on but our board. But you do it in. I, I hear you say you do it in action, but you don't necessarily put yeah. it down in words, right? Right. Right. So someone, if if one of your kids were asked, like you know, tell me to describe kind of your parents or to describe your family in adjectives or in um, you know phrases, they could probably craft some of those. But I, yeah. I thought that was interesting to think about, like actually crafting them and like discussing them as a family. I was like, yeah, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've seen you know books and stuff, and I I know it I it does sound great. I like that idea. I feel like we kind of started that or attempted it years ago, and uh, I don't know. I'm just not not there. I do think that for teen it's very different because there's for teenagers it's a little more realistic. Um, little kids, nuts, maybe kids are so different, you know. Like, and all the kids are so different. So, and everyone's families are so different. So a lot of families could try, you can, you can try like everything else, like most parenting books, I haven't read them for a while, but parenting books, most of them never worked for me. There were some ideas, some ideas, I feel like maybe we try like the, there's one called one, two, three, you know, kind of like the magic phrase one, two, three, which is for, for rent discipline. Um, we use that a bit, but so many ideas don't work kind of copy, copy paste doesn't work. Copy paste never works for, at least for us. So if there was some good idea, um, you know, it just takes so much iteration to make it work. And I don't know if the other families are like that or not, but again, this is a kind of idea, which I think it's actually a really good idea. I have no idea how we would do it here. Um, I'm not saying we wouldn't, but like what I can tell you is the idea of, Hey, let's sit down and craft values and something like, nah, I don't want to work, but maybe there is some, some other way to bring some, yeah, I don't know. But yeah. I don't know. Sounds great. Maybe we'll do something like that someday. I think that what our kids would probably describe, and we, yeah, the way that we act, we try to be consistent. I mean, our kids would probably say that we're, you know, us as a family, like we're a crazy family, right? We're kind of this crazy family. So crazy comes up a lot. Um, we're late a lot. People are late a lot. Um, fun. We have a lot of fun. So it'd be, I'd be curious to see, you know, how our kids would describe it, actually. I might might do that. That would be interesting for us to just, hey, let's ask some of the kids, how what are some words you just describe either the family or, or your parents? Yeah. That would be interesting. That'd be interesting. I mean, not that it would mean anything, but in terms of well, it would be interesting. It's interesting because even with, with values, you think about from a company perspective, it you can you can paste a value on the wall, but it doesn't really mean anything. Typically you're embracing behavior that you already have to some degree, right? Or you're yeah. you're just you're just labeling it, which is exactly kind of what you're talking about. It's like Oh, this is what they would say. So it's like, okay, let's just go full force behind that, you know. And it doesn't change necessarily a lot, but it might just um, bring it to light to enforce that, you know. Yeah, kind of reinforce the or the good stuff that you want to reinforce and yeah. awareness of the things that maybe you don't want as much. Um. So, yeah, interesting. I don't so, know, again, I think there's this, I get that from a lot of blogs and books, there's this kind of picture of, hey, there's these perfectly, you know, these well-run families, and they probably exist out there, but that's not ours. So. But that's part of, I mean, it's like embracing the chaos and being moldable. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. But, you know, we get by. Actually, you no, know, ours, ours is well-run in the sense that things work and we have systems. It It's not 
this image of wow, there's this clean and well organized machine. Yeah, that's that's not true. Like we definitely run the family um, and things. That's where a lot of the leadership. It is like be, being an entrepreneur where you're just rang, herding cats and wrangling dogs and like you you need systems and like again in the morning it's great if people uh, you know, have fun, they can play and get ready for school. But if they can't, you know, we're going to have to come down hard on people. So, and some kids are a lot more, you know, quicker to do things and have more fun. Some kids are more obstinate. So one thing we get a lot is we'll, you know, they all want things to be fair. Like our, our, we have a teenager who keeps saying, you know, that's not fair. That's not fair. And what I, I want her to, I try to correct her saying, well, you're not, Fair means both people kind of get the same treatment. What you're saying is that you don't want to do more than someone else. You don't want it to be fair. You don't want to do how you just want to do less than other people or less or equal or less. Yeah. As long as you don't do more, then you're happy. So don't call it fair. Call it you're trying to look out for your own self-interest. <laughs> and let's just call it what it is. Uh, and you're still going to have to do the, the, you know, the dishes, like I, however you want to claim your, your, have your cry of freedom, this emancipation, you still got to do the chore that you got to do. Yeah. And by the way, yes, I will help you with your homework or I'll, I'll do, you know, we want to, it's kind of like some kids need more, uh, discipline and more love and you're trying to balance both. So I think my wife is really good about that too. So. Well, thanks. Thanks for your time, Aaron. You got it. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, anything we didn't cover in this interview? Um, I probably would say, you know, one going back to how because money is so important, and we didn't really touch on on that. But I would say that it's okay. It's important to work to make more money when you need it in a family. It's and more than ever. Um, and I think back when I got married and we had our first baby, and I remember there's a moment where I was like, oh, shit, I got to make more money. And that's when I really sort of powered into making more money. Um, I had to do it. So I'd say kids can be, for me, they were, they were and are an incredible, the best motivator to make more money. And yeah, it's easy to get into the mode of like, oh, like all this stuff feels so expensive and like... Kind of this, um, you do want to manage expenses. We don't do a good job of that, but um, I think don't focus. You can, whatever you're doing to kind of manage expenses and budgets, um, don't forget to really focus on how do you make more money? Because usually you can. It may or may not happen quickly, but you got to grow your top line too. And for me, the couple of the things that really made a big difference were uh, finding a partner. Like I do, I just do lots of things with partners. So, because then you, I had more accountability, um, had someone to kind of do stuff with. It's just hard to do things alone, at least for me. And uh, I nailed my niche, mm-hmm. this is a niche, which was, um, this is the, the first part of the whole From Impossible to Inevitable book is about nailing a niche. And so just my quick story was, um, after working at salesforce.com, I just kind of did some different things. I did something called, I created something called Unique Genius, like kind of personal coaching, how to make more money through enjoyment. CEO Flow, which is how to turn your employees into mini CEOs. And I was doing sales consulting. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do sales consulting anymore. It's kind of boring. I really want to do this, you know, in Unique Genius or CEO Flow. Um, but when it came down to, I had when I had to make more money, 
I went back to the thing I was, that was the easiest to make money at, which was sales consulting or predictable revenue, the predictablerevenue.com company. And I think a lot of times when we have been doing, we've become uh, you know, an expert in our work, we've been doing the same work for a long time. In one hand, Jack, I want to make more money, but I'm kind of tired of what I'm doing. I want to do something new to make more money at. Like, um, and yet, so you kind of, uh, not only say throw away, but discard the, your strengths. And I would encourage you to go back to what are you best at? Where do you feel like you want to do it or not? Um, what are you best at? What do people want from you that's the sort of the most valuable to them? What are you known for? And start there because that's going to be the easiest place usually to make more money from. And you can always find ways to re-enjoy that experience, expertise. And making more money at it is enjoyable. Yeah. Um, reshaping it. Uh, you know, because I actually really enjoy sales consulting. I, I, over the years, I started redid it because I was making more money at it. I kind of reshaped it. I took a new approach at it. So, um, you know, refocus on your strengths is, is a place to make more money. And in that case, that's what I call nailing a niche. It's like, what's your specialty? Um, you know, my mom, one more story, because my mom was, was 70 and she had done gardening for years and she was thinking about how she needed to make more money. She had this huge IRS debts. Uh, and she wanted to create a travel agency because she loved travel, um, tour agent, you know, some kind of travel tour thing. And, you know, it was really hard because she started from scratch. So at some point she went back to her gardening. She had like a small hobby selling flowers and bulbs. She'd done for 20 years or 30 years, like a mail order one. And, you know, over the last five or six years, she started selling it on Amazon and so on. Um, she ended up, now she's doing like more than a, uh, like a million dollars a year gross off on wow. Amazon. Yeah. Because she went back to, you know, the thing she knew best. It wasn't the most exciting at the time, but she knew it the best, and then she made it exciting. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot of hard work because it's a lot of physical inventory. Like, but it, you know, damn, mom, she's in her seventies. She's you're never too late. So that's where I would say, don't just to you know make, don't forget to make more money and look for ways. It may not happen quickly. It might be months or years, but don't put it off. Is a way to, it's a way that you can help support your family, makes everything easier, and focus on what you're best at as a starting point. Hey, don't throw that away just because you're tired of it and been doing it too long. It doesn't feel exciting. You can yeah. find ways to make it exciting. So well, that's a good way to end it. Thank you so yep. much for your time, Aaron. And uh, predictablerevenue.com and look for his book, which is coming out with the second edition. When does that come yeah. out? Uh, June 4th is available. So All right. yeah, from, from impossible.com. Uh, it's on Amazon. It'll be a, there's a landing, there's a page from impossible. Sorry, from, from impossible to inevitable is the book. Uh, from impossible.com as a little site for it. Awesome. And we'll yeah. link that all up in the show notes. So thank you, Aaron. Yeah. You can find out more about us and sign up to receive updates at twocentdad.com. If you liked what you heard or just want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at mike at twocentdad.com. Please leave a review on iTunes if you like the show. It helps us to get the word out to the most people possible. The show is made possible through the support of EC Group International building software teams since 1999.